This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Bartholomew Town. I'm Bill Bartholomew. Always a pleasure to spend some time with you here on the podcast. And obviously a lot going on this week. I mean, first of all, the Tierra Max story that has become an international deal. Um, this is the reaction to a video that she posted on her campaign TikTok account in which she's performing an inverted twerk and at the end says, vote Senator Mack. And look, the controversy around this has been, you know, it's kind of come from different spaces and different levels of aggression, if you will. And, you know, I get some of it. Um, I even said a couple of times on air as I filled in on WPRO this week that, like, I personally wouldn't do that if I was an elected official. But norms of decorum, standards, so on and so forth are shifting so rapidly right now. And for the senator to post that video, it may actually galvanize people who are otherwise totally disinterested in the political process here and get them engaged. You know, and I think some of the reaction has just been so mean-spirited and, you know, based on fear and people just don't like to see somebody who is quite frankly, a queer black woman having the type of um, position of power that she does inside the General Assembly. And I think that's a lot to do with it because a lot of the same people that are bashing her for performing this this maneuver on TikTok, and I admit, again, it's on her campaign account. It does change the dynamics of the conversation because it's on her campaign account. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know if, if you've missed this, just, just look on Twitter or just Google Tierra Mac twerk and you'll find it. But a lot of the same people are pushing back on this. So the same people have been pushing back on her and others for a couple of years now. You know what I mean? That it's it's like just piling on, um, and it's less so a conversation about hey, is this a professional quote unquote thing to do? Is this the right way for an elected or public figure to behave? And I, I would argue that you know there's obviously First Amendment issues at hand with this. You can do whatever you want in terms of free speech, in terms of performance, and I'll. You know, I'll go all the way to the wall with defending the First Amendment. Um, but strategically, I think there's also people are missing the fact that, you know, people look at Senator Mack in, in, in certain age groups and certain demographics. And, you know, they say, wow, th this is a politician that I identify with. You may not. Um, you may look at that and say, yeah, I specifically don't identify with this. But she has a base, and I think she is preparing for and will have a long political career. At the same time, as I've said with respect to, to Senator Mack, it's going to come down to the Democratic primary. Does Joe Almeida beat Senator Mack in the, in the Senate District 6, 6 primary this September? And if he does... Can you specifically point to this video or other mechanics that Senator Mack has deployed? Maybe, maybe not. But what we do know is that she overwhelmingly defeated longtime Senator Harold Metz in 2020, running on ideologies that were not obfuscated in any way, shape, or form. In other words, her district supports what she brings to the table and the types of policies she's putting forth. Um, so you can hear a conversation that I had with Senator Mack. It was kind of an exclusive. You know, I don't, I don't want to get into that nonsense of billing, you know, hey, we did this, you, you, th this other person didn't do that. But I did have Senator Mack on air yesterday as I filled in for Dan York on the WPRO afternoon show 
um, that I produce every day. I, I, I'll also be filling in next week um, from three to six on the radio. But you can find my conversation with Senator Mack at 997wpro.com slash podcast, or I tweeted it out at Bill Bartholomew. And I'm just going to kind of let it be at this point. You know what I mean? Like, the, obviously, I'm talking about it now here in, in the open of this, this show today, but it is what it is. And people are character assassinating Senator Mack over a tweak, uh, pardon me, over a, a, a dance maneuver, essentially, or a maneuver, an athletic maneuver or a performance maneuver that she posted on TikTok. I'll say it again. It was on her campaign account. So it's different than if it was on her personal account. But maybe that's the idea. And some people are either missing it or maybe you agree with the, the those who are saying, hey, look, this is unprofessional. This isn't what I would expect out of a leader. Um, and we've heard mixed reaction and some of it's sober and some of it, you know, valid criticism. And I think the senator understands that because in our conversation yesterday on the radio, she told me that she does have, when I asked her about it, she does have some some empathy for those who are saying, hey, this isn't what I want out of an elected official. But we'll keep an eye on that, I guess. You know what I mean? It's kind of run its course. I mean, really on to the next thing is is how I see it. And, you know, there's always going to be haters no matter what. There's always going to be haters. And there's always going to be people who buy into what you do that previously had no interest in you or politics or Rhode Island politics or anything of that sort. And that's going to be the, the thing that I think really um, come September, we'll look back on this and say, hey, that really motivated people to get behind Senator Mack, or it really turned off people that were previously behind her on a policy standpoint or even a personal standpoint, but they thought that that went too far. But, you know, my take has been, I wouldn't do it if I was an elected official. I, I you know, I, I'm, I still try to put on a suit when I go to the state house. I still am kind of in that old guard type of mentality on these types of things. But obviously, I mean, just by my nature, you know, the, the standard operating protocol of, you know, Rhode Island politics or media in general or whatever it is, I'm, I'm coming out of left field here. So I, I, I completely understand what Senator Mack is doing in that video. Um, coming up next week, I'll be at the Pump House in South County over in Peacedale, a beautiful place, um, great stage. They're going to do an outdoor concert that I'll be performing at, and I'll be there talking and stuff as well. Um, that's on Friday, the 15th of July. Doors at 6 p.m., show at 7 p.m. That's the Pump House right there in the heart of South County in Peacedale. It'll be an outdoor show, and, and I hope to see you there. For today, I welcome in Harrison Tuttle of the Black Lives Matter Political Action Committee here in Rhode Island for what is, frankly, a discussion on Leo Bohr, the Law Enforcement Officer's Bill of Rights, um, which has remained in effect because of inaction inside the General Assembly, even though the police chiefs in the state and the general public, I would imagine, as a whole, I don't think I've actually seen specific polling data on this, but anecdotally, you know, people want to see police accountability. And that law, that um, protection for police officers hasn't shifted, and that's a concern for a lot of folks. And specifically with wearing body cameras, body-worn cameras. And there was an incident in Providence over the 4th of July weekend that evoked a lot of emotion. And there is a police account of this which says that the, the, the person involved did have a weapon. And if that's the case, if they're carrying a knife, there's going to be more extreme use of force for the officers to defend themselves and, and you know take somebody who is in possession of a weapon uh, into custody. But what we see in... 
I don't even know what it is, a security camera footage, an observer of some, some sort of footage that's been posted, we see an extremely aggressive series of maneuvers that, quite frankly, are reminiscent of what we saw with the uh, Derek Chauvin incident and um, the murder of George Floyd. So we discussed that today with Harrison Tuttle. They put out a statement, and um, that's our conversation for today. Remember, new episodes of Bartholomew Town are every Tuesday and Thursday right here wherever you're listening. Plus, you can hear the radio show on WPRO every Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. A lot coming up, scheduling a lot of political stuff, some forums, and uh, we'll, we'll have some specific announcements on that coming up soon. Bartholomew Town is brought to you in part by Commonwealth Care Alliance of Rhode Island, delivering uncommon care to Rhode Islanders, and Pure Vita Labs. Visit purevitalabs.com. All right, so Harrison Tuttle, Black Lives Matter Political Action Committee here in Rhode Island. Um, welcome back to the show. I mean, this this incident that we've, we've seen play out on video uh, involving the Providence Police um, is at minimum disturbing and upsetting and it seems to be an open violation of police policy anyway. And this is uh, regarding the, uh, the arrest of Providence resident Armando Rivas. And this took place, I believe it was on the 4th of July. It took place at least over the weekend. So you've put out a statement. It has long-ranging implications in the sense of a, a long-term goal of repealing Leo Bohr. But let's just get right into it. Your statement and where you and your organization sit on this incident uh, in Providence? Well, first off, thank you for having me on again, Bill. Um, One of the things that was extremely concerning was the fact that you had a knee restraint being used that was immediately, um, you know, you could tailor that back all the way to George Floyd and which a lot of folks started paying attention to police brutality across the country um and then the open palm strike um and slamming uh this this kid who you know i'm not that much older than him and so a lot of these situations i look to be in and i could think of that could be any one of my friends that could be me um you know we don't know you know what, what had happened whether he had a knife uh, apparently he did um, yeah. But what events followed that om- almost under a minute clip, we don't know because there wasn't a body camera video. Um, and so, you know, you talk about long term implications. We've obviously got a fight with uh, the General Assembly uh, the last two sessions about police accountability and transparency and how um, Leah Bohr is is one of the. Um, main deterrence to actually holding police officers accountable, um, which prevents not only the mayor of any city in town, but also their police chief from commenting or really exercising their power to hold their own city employees uh, accountable and speaking on the issue. Um, And so it's a really concerning aspect that here in Rhode Island, two years after the murder of George Floyd, all of these conversations being had that um, something as basic as accountability and transparency can't be reached through our General Assembly. Yeah. And I think that when you look at this specific incident, as you mentioned, the, the, the police do say that there was a knife um, on Mr. Revis and that there was you know, reason for exerting 
force of, you know, above the standard protocol for an arrest. But like you said, the lack of body cams, I mean, what is this? Because that's, that's where this all breaks down. You can't have a serious conversation about this issue without having complete context. And we lack that. And we're basically taking statements from both sides and, and a short video clip and trying to put it together. But how great of, um, or I guess how egregious do you find the fact that the body cameras weren't on above and beyond what took place in terms of the, the physical nature of this, this arrest? Well, look, this is a bill that was passed last year um, that would allocate millions of dollars over the next course of the decade to make sure that our police um, statewide, if want, if you know, if they want to, each department is provided with a body camera. Right. So we've got one officer who didn't have his body camera on. And then we had one officer who wasn't even issued one. Yeah. And so it really begs the question, does the Providence Police Department need an audit? Where are we allocating this money? How many officers on the streets actually have their body camera videos on? And are we being pro- are we being proactive um, in terms of making sure that every single person, not only in the state of in the city of Providence, but all across the state, are are able to know that where their taxpayer money are going is being used wisely. And I think that the body camera video um, not being shown is extremely disappointing from not only uh, two officers, but two high ranking officers um, who should be setting the example for other uh, subordinates throughout the uh, police department. Yeah, I'm going to read the statement that um, that your organization put out over Independence Day weekend. Providence Captain Steve Steve Giancarla and Lieutenant Matthew Jeanette of the Providence Police Department are seen on video using excessive force against 21-year-old Providence resident Armando Rivas. During an arrest, they violently wrestled Rivas to the ground, forcibly restraining him, and at one point slamming his head into the pavement. Rivas was already in handcuffs and was not visibly resisting his arrest. In addition, Captain Giancarla can be seen on video using the same fatal knee restraint used by Derek Chauvin in the murder of George Floyd. WPRI Target 12 News reports that both Captain Giancarla and Lieutenant Jeanette were in direct violation of the Providence Police policies by being in uniform without their body-worn camera on and engaged. Despite their actions being brought to light, the two officers remain on duty. So, you know, the, again, the body camera issue is, it's, it's almost like you have to separate the violence of what we saw in the arrest, which, you know, again, we don't know what's going on there. Maybe there was additional weapons. Maybe they feared that. I mean, that doesn't necessarily even come close to excusing using the knee restraint or anything like that. But that's one issue. But the body camera is, I think, the issue that's really going to carry the water on this for a long time. So, you know, I think of the state police where there was the encounter a couple of weeks ago at the state house where you had, you know, a member of the Freedom Fighters was punched in the face. And then obviously the internationally viral story about um, then candidate John Lugo punching essentially his political opponent, Jen Rourke, in the face. Uh, There's no body camera footage there. The state police seem to be separated from this as well. You wonder, you know, at what point is this going to become a priority? I understand that there's IT challenges. I've talked to people about this inside police departments. They say, look, the cloud storage space, there's a lot of expenses associated with it that are um, not necessarily included in the allocated funds. But 
I mean, at what point does this become like tomorrow we're going to figure out for every police department in the state how to get active body cameras on? It's a great point, Bill. And I think I was talking to another individual in our community and kind of separate from the body camera point, how we see rises of unfortunately crime during the summer, but uh, we also see rising levels of police brutality. Uh, you look to Sale Street around this time last year. Um, we look to other instances in which uh, for some reason, specifically um, the Providence Police Department just loses their mind. And there are some individuals that do, not the entire force, of course, but on the on the in terms of looking at it from a perspective of police brutality, we do see that during the summer, during this time that officers in the Providence Police Department act up. And, you know, I know I know that the body camera videos was passed uh, in last session, not this session in, in 2021, I believe. Yeah. And so we're going on almost a year and a half, at least, in which we shouldn't have instances like this, right? And I think a lot of folks in the community look towards uh, body camera videos because of the fact of you have instances like this in which historically speaking um, throughout the country, um, we have seen acts of police violence against, um, you know, specifically minority groups of people. You know, you look to Rodney King um, and, and other instances in which, if, if it wasn't caught on camera, it wouldn't have gotten uh, the light and the attention that it, it deserves. Right. Um, and so that's why body cameras are so important. Um, and it's really disappointing, like I said, that two high ranking officers don't. This isn't a case of, you know, this uh, a new uh, patrolman going on the force and maybe if you know, is working through the process of getting a body camera. These are people that have been on the force, assuming uh, for at least uh, three plus years. Um, and so it's, it's incredibly disappointing. And, and I do think that there needs to be an audit where this money is going. So what are the next steps then? If, if such an audit were to take place, it would obviously come through the city council would be my guess. Um, although the, the funds and how they were allocated, I guess there could be a statewide audit as well. What, what's your organization going to do next in terms of following up on this? Well, I think we've got to continue to work first and foremost to make sure that um, the people that are running for office this year um, have a best of a shot to win. Um, you know, obviously, when it comes to calling any type of action, um, whether it's um, asking the General Assembly to go back when it comes to abortion um, issues or police brutality issues. It doesn't look like that's happening. And so unfortunately, we have to wait until quite literally next year for that. Um, and so um, the issues that are on the table, in my opinion, can't wait. And that speaks to a larger issue of our General Assembly being part time. But I think that uh, it's really important that every listener here um, is engaged in the midterms um, and, and actually um, looks at who their candidates are um, for General Assembly, for school boards, for city councils, um, because uh, maybe it's not an issue of police brutality. Maybe it's things like education or housing. 
But all of these issues are critically important and issues of police brutality and accountability are just one of them in which if we don't have people in the General Assembly that understand these issues, they're not going to change. Right. And it's interesting because with Leobor, it's something that the police chiefs are, you know, they're behind this 100 percent. And I mean, look, I'm not going to say who I've talked to police chiefs off record. Uh, that have said, look, there have been specific issues that have gotten out of control in terms of the reaction from the community, um, maybe not actually out of control, but have gotten to the point where it could have been quashed if Leo Bohr weren't, weren't there, that at least the department could speak out and say, hey, we, don't con- we condemn this, we don't condone it, here's the action that we're taking, whether it's termination, suspension, additional training, whatever it is based on the situation, but they can't because their hands are tied by Leo Bohr. So, You've got this situation where it's really union versus um, it's it's like one of those odd where this, the 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 tables kind of turn and who traditionally supports what where the union is overpowering probably not only the department and the municipality or in, in in some cases the state but the will of the people it would seem I mean I haven't seen polling on this but my guess is that if you asked a person not even using the word or term, the acronym, I should say, Leobor, but said, hey, are you in favor of police officers uh, or police departments being able to punish or, or address officers who have, have violated their code of conduct? Yes or no? I'm sure most people would say yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an issue in which you really see comes to light um, with viral videos, whether it's um, my friend Jennifer Rourke being punched in the face or this specific incident where you see that people who are not really focused on the um, really fine details of policy really scratch their head of, of why this person is on paid leave or, or other situations in which the police chief and the mayor cannot comment on a situation. And what it does is it's counterproductive to building trust. Right. Because the public feels like they're, you know, legally they're hiding stuff. Right. They're 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 figuratively hiding information from the public. Um, And it's a it's a case in which, look, I think um, it's gotten really politicized. Um, I think, unfortunately, um, accountability and transparency are things that um, anytime we're dealing with elected officials or people in positions of power, we're always going to have that uh, pull. Um, but, you know, my response to the unions, the police unions would be, um, if you're not doing anything wrong, then why do you need Leopor? Right. Yeah. If we look at 35 other states in the country that operate without it um, and you know, our remaining New England states don't have it, of course. And so this only helps officers that tarnish the name of the of the police department, no matter what city or town you're in. And so we shouldn't want to have off-duty police officers punch women in the face. We shouldn't want um, people in high-ranking positions of police departments not having their body cameras on and, and providing an open palm strike and slamming a, a kid's head on the on the pavement. Those are things that um, I feel like across the board, if you ask any officer, they would say that they, they, they don't want that to happen. But for some reason, we've got people in positions of power um, within the unions that 
um, don't want to hold uh, these bad apples accountable. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I just think of the statement that the, the, the Providence Fraternal Order of Police put out last week, you know, defending John Lugo and, and his situation. It's like, how could you ever expect that guy to go back on the force? I mean, are you serious? I mean, he's no matter what circumstances you know took place or whatever sidebar they want to throw out there. I mean, you've got an off-duty officer punching a woman in the face. Um, that's disqualifying. I don't know why the union would try to get involved in that. It almost seems like it discredits the union itself and its membership. And then we have this situation in Newport, which is t- unfolding, where you know a, another violent arrest, and you know they're trying to sort that one out. I know there were the 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 the, the kids were in court yesterday. They've got former um, member of the General Assembly, Chris Malaya, representing them. At least one of the kids involved in that. But I mean, another violent arrest, and there's not really any. There's no body cam footage, and I think they're on some kind of party bus. Who knows what happened there? Maybe these kids were like complete jerks. Uh, but they still shouldn't have been tossed into a light post and slammed into the pavement. Yeah, it's it, it's really confusing that, look, we've got a situation in which, like I said, over the summer, for some reason, we see a rising level. Maybe it's heat. Maybe it's mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But um, we, we look towards accountability when things go wrong, just like any other profession. And this is the only profession in which um, very much like our political spectrum right now um, is defended no matter what, Um, no matter if it's backed up by data, no matter if it's um, something that on the outside of someone not in politics is, you know, blatantly wrong. Um, We've we've politicized accountability and transparency um, to where we've taken sides on who gets to be actually held accountable. It's incredibly disappointing because, look, we're in a situation in which at any moment, um, political people that are holding office can make national news. Yeah. And then we see a case in which officers are, are committing heinous acts, and that's not making national news. Um, so no matter where you fall on... Uh, Senator Tiara Max video on the beach. I really do believe that the topic at hand this week should be why are officers and why are taxpayer dollars aren't going to actually ensuring public safety um, all throughout the state for everyone, you know, whether it's in Newport um, with these um, looks like young white males or um, someone in Providence who's a person of color. Harrison Tuttle. Black Lives Matter Political Action Committee here in Rhode Island. Also a, uh, a candidate. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point as well. Specifically, I look forward to it. No doubt. Hey, send your email to me, Bill, at ripodcast.com. If you've got a question for a candidate, a question for me, send it on over. We're going to read it on air.